Well, welcome. We're back. This is JC with the You Made New podcast. We're up to episode 16 this time. And I, this one's been on my mind for a couple of days, like nonstop. I call, I'm calling it full and complete deliverance. And what I want to do is just throw together some of my favorite quotes to just make one main point that just keeps haunting me. As we've talked about so many different things, I mean, we're up to 16 episodes. We've talked about a lot with body image, a lot with disordered eating, a lot of a lot with trying to be healed and find a new place of freedom. And so there's one idea that's just been pressing on me again and again for the last like 48 hours. So here we go. You're going to get it (laughs) just because it's been on my mind. Now it's going to be shared with you. So um, this actually is a simple thought. It's the idea that number one in scripture, and we've been talking about this a lot. The Lord Jesus Christ has made us a lot of promises. He has talked intensely all over the place in scripture about deliverance, about how he will not fail us. He will not forsake us. He will help us. He will redeem us, deliver us. There are promises of healing, promises of freedom from bondage. We just read some of that in our episode on the beauty of the Lord, on um, beauty for ashes, um, freedom for the captives, liberty, um, healing for the brokenhearted. So many promises in scripture. But here's the thing that keeps going around and around in my mind this week. All of those things, like it really is supposed to work. Like it's really supposed to happen. And so you compare that with some of our lives and really where I was well into my 30s. I wasn't living in full and complete deliverance. I was in a try, fail, try, fail, stay in the same place, never really overcome, never really change, keep trying other stuff, keep falling on my face. I hadn't experienced it, even though I believed in Christ for many, many, many years. I went, I've gone to church. I'd been in his word. I had prayed. I'd done all the religious stuff. That deliverance was not happening in my life. So is he lying? You know, Is it really just meant to be this partial halfway thing? Um, I am going to take us right into the words of Hannah Whittall Smith. Now, she is a dear sister in Christ to me. She lived in the 1800s, was a Bible teacher in England. She was in America and wrote The Christian's Secret of a Happy Life. And that book, I think I've quoted it from it before. If I haven't, I know I do in my classes. I, I have like, it's falling apart. Like the back section of my book is falling out. I love this book so much. Now, again, because she lived almost a hundred years ago, um, or over a hundred years ago, she, her language is more 1800s esque. So go, go with that in mind, but I'm going to read you quite a, a, and just a killer quote. It, it's a kind of long one. So bear with me. But she talks about this exact thing. She talks about how often at some point in our lives, whether it it can come at different phases, if we're a convert to the gospel or whether we find Christ at a certain point, or even if we've grown up in it, there's a time when we begin to fully embrace him and what he offers. And, And we're filled with hope and filled with faith. And we start to understand and press forward to this life in Christ and to really reach for those promises. And she says, you know, Christ is believed in and talked about and served and, and, and we just are headfirst into this religious life. But then she talks about how after a while, and sometimes it's several years into the religious life, she says, notwithstanding all your knowledge and all your activities in the service of the Lord, 
you reach a point where you realize that your soul is secretly starving and you cry out again and again for the bread and water of life, which you saw promised in the scriptures to all believers. She says in the very depths of your heart, you know that your experience is not a scriptural experience, that your religion seems like it's but a talk compared to what those in the scriptures were actually going through and experiencing because of Christ. She says, and your souls have sunk within you as day after day and year after year, your early visions of triumph have seemed to grow more and more dim. And you've been forced to settle down to the conviction that the best you can expect from your religion is a life of alternate failure and victory. One hour sinning and the next repenting, beginning again, only to fail again and again to repent over and over. So that's like what we were just talking about, right? We start to realize that our human experience, our day-to-day experience, is does not match what we're reading in the scriptures. There we see stories of people really, truly delivered. And maybe one day we go, why, why am I just always stuck in this same old place? She continues, and this is the one where I have about 50 stars in, in the margin and underline. I, I just can't even believe what this quote does to my, my heart. She said, but this is this all? She said, Had the Lord Jesus only this in mind when he laid down his precious life to deliver you from your sore and cruel bondage to sin? Did he propose to himself only this partial deliverance? Did he intend to leave you thus struggling along under a weary consciousness of defeat and discouragement? Did he fear that a continuous victory would dishonor him and bring reproach on his name? When all those declarations were made concerning his coming and the work he was to accomplish, did they mean only this that you have experienced? Was there a hidden reserve in each promise that was meant to deprive it of its complete fulfillment? And now she's going to quote some scriptures and use this as an example. Did delivering us out of the hands of our enemies mean only a few of them? Did enabling us always to triumph mean only sometimes? Or, quote, being more than conquerors through him that loves us mean constant defeat and failure? No, no, a thousand times no. God is able to save unto the uttermost, and he means to do it. His promise, confirmed by his oath, was that, and she quotes Bible scripture here, quote, he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life, unquote. She says it's, it's a mighty work to do, but our deliverer is able to do it. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And dare we dream for a moment that he is not able or not willing to accomplish his own purposes? Now, just a little bit more. Here she concludes. In the very outset, then, settle down on this one thing, that the Lord is able to save you fully now in this life from the power and dominion of sin and to deliver you altogether out of the hands of your enemies. And in our case, this means the enemies of our food issues that we haven't been able to overcome, our uh, body image issues, our insecurity, our fears, our anxieties, our doubts, all these enemies that have plagued us. She says he is able. If you do not think he is, search your Bible, she says, and collect together every announcement or declaration concerning the purposes and object of his death on on the cross. You will be astonished to find how full they are. And then here's our home run. And she just nails it. 
everywhere and always, she says. His work is said to be to deliver us from our sins, from our bondage, from our defilement. And not a hint is given anywhere that this deliverance was only to be the limited and partial one with which the church so continually tries to be satisfied. I, I mean, are we as believers not experiencing these scriptural promises and we're just trying to, like she said, we're continually trying to be satisfied with what we're experiencing. We're, we're not even asking why maybe we're not experiencing more. Was it just meant to be this partial deliverance, like she says, where we have good days, we'd see some success here and there, but our, our issues still continue to plague us and we're not set free. And we're not any different than unbelievers in the world. We struggle with the same issues they do. We're not made new. What? What are we missing? Did that quote do something to you? I mean, when she says no, no, a thousand times no. I mean, I just, it was a wake-up call for me to say, really, have I just not been experiencing the fullness of what he came to offer me? And if so, why am I missing it? Now, I could answer that. That that would probably take a five-hour podcast, right? To answer it's not because he's lied to us. It's not because those scriptures aren't true. And we, when he says, I will never fail you or forsake you, and I will deliver you, and I will heal you, and I will set you free from those things to which that have held you in bondage. It's not, he's not lying to us. If we haven't experienced those things, perhaps there's more for us to learn. Perhaps we just haven't reached a point where we are availing ourselves of all the riches of Christ. Let me let me give a few thoughts on why I think sometimes we miss this full and complete deliverance. At, at least for me, these were very personal for me. This is in part why I missed it for so many years. Why I, like I've said before, why I was a church girl for so many years, but not living in that kind of freedom that we just described. I was living in that partial deliverance and trying to convince myself that that was enough not realizing that there was more for me through Christ. This quote comes from Russell M. Nelson. Um, He says, when you reach up for the Lord's power in your life with the same intensity that a drowning person has when grasping and gasping for air, power from Jesus Christ will be yours. When the Savior knows you truly want to reach up to him, when he can feel that the greatest desire of your heart is to draw his power into your life, then you will be led by the Holy Ghost to know exactly what you should do. That was a bit of a wake-up call for me because he puts an intensity level on it. When you're reaching for Christ with the same intensity that a drowning person is grasping and gasping for air. I was not treating my religion that way. It was nice. I was busy. I was spending hours doing religious things, but there wasn't that kind of desperation to it. I didn't need Christ that way. I wasn't reaching for him that way. It really did take me um, getting to the point where I was hitting rock bottom and so miserable and so unhappy and so captive to all of these things that I just finally reached that drowning person level where I just told him, I can't, I can't go another day. I'm done. I, I'll do anything. I'll do anything you ask. Set me free. I, I have to be different. I can't be this person anymore. 
And, and I would hope that maybe you don't have to reach rock bottom to get to that point of desperation. Maybe even just the words that he speaks in scripture as you compare them to your life and listen to his promises and then look at your day-to-day um, reality. Maybe it will be such a wake-up call where you think, you know, as a believer in Christ, am I going to spend my whole life in the shallow end of the pool and never truly experience what he came to offer me in its fullness. Am I just going to wait around in the shallow end and, and just be too afraid or too apathetic or too, um, you know, just numb to really dive in any deeper. And if that's the case, yeah, I never will experience some of those things he's promised in scripture. And I will wonder, huh, those were really cool stories. I wonder why my life never looked like that, but I never reached for it with the same intensity as a drowning person grasping or gasping for air. Maybe, maybe the Lord's waiting to see a little more um, passion for, uh, from us in terms of reaching for who he is and what he offers and coming to him with our whole heart, not just a few minutes here and there. I mean, I don't know if that's the case for you. Maybe you are one of those people. I was in my scriptures. I was, but I was doing a lot of other things during the day, forgetting about him entirely. He was not my life. He was not my everything. He was one good thing in my life, but oh, that needed to change. So that's one thought uh, um, about why maybe we're not yet experiencing what he's promised. I have another one, another idea that comes from Dr. Gerald G. May in his book, Addiction and Grace. And I know the word addiction sometimes scares people away. You know, we just think, I'm not addicted. I just have this problem or that problem. But this book has been profound for me. As he explains it, we're all addicts in one way or another. Addictive, you can call it obsessed or whatever. When we just have these things we can't overcome. And he uh, spends the whole book talking about the influence of grace in overcoming and healing addiction. But here's, here's his thought on some of this. And I could have quoted you 20 things out of his book, but this one seemed to fit the best. Here's what Dr. May says. He says, God is always trying to give us, trying to give good things to us, but our hands are too full to receive them. If our hands are full, they are full of the things to which we are addicted. And not only our hands, but also our hearts and minds and attention are clogged with addiction. Our addictions fill up the spaces within us, spaces where grace might flow. Um, And again, let's apply that to everything we've been talking about in this podcast. I mean, maybe your addiction is comfort food, is using food to fill your inner void. Maybe it's Instagram. Maybe it's new shoes. Maybe it's your credit card. Maybe it's binge watching Netflix. I mean, it could be a thousand things, right? What are your hands so full of? What is your attention so taken up by that you can't, your hands aren't open to receive what he has to offer you? What has made you so full that you have no room to accept? It may be a thing. It may be an idea. It may be a pursuit, a goal that brings you away from Christ, that keeps you so distracted and so um, caught up in that thing and obsessed with that thing. It may be something you reach for for comfort. It may be to ease your insecurities. I mean, we have all kinds of reasons that we reach for things of the world to comfort our hearts or to feel like we're enough or or all kinds of things that are counterfeits to the true God who can do those things for us. So think for a minute about, like he said, um, 
If your hands are full, they're full of things to which you are addicted. Don't get scared away by that word. What What's your little obsession on the side that, you know, you go to work and you're a mom or you're at whatever, you do the th- normal to-do list, but what's your, what are your little obsessions on the side that are keeping your hands too full to receive what Christ has to offer you? Now, um, Dr. May continues one more thing I want to point out, and I think this is profound. He said, it's most important to remember, however, that it is not the objects of our addictions that are to blame for filling up our hands and hearts. It is our clinging to these objects, grasping for them, becoming obsessed with them. It's it, A new pair of shoes isn't a bad thing, unless it's become your obsession and you feel like that's what's going to fill you, <laughs> fill your hole. I, I, that's such a trivial example, but do you know what, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not the things themselves. It's our clinging to them instead of him. We're supposed to be clinging to him with the desperation of a drowning person. Instead, we're clinging to some of our other little favorite things that we think are going to fill us. Whatever that addiction is for you, hours on social media, just trying to find, just trying to fill, just trying to just distract ourselves maybe even from the emptiness. So maybe it's time to look for a minute at what we're clinging to. Now, the last point that really made the biggest difference for me is as I began to isolate what some of those things were in my life that were keeping me from a true, deep, personal relationship with Christ. It was keeping me in the superficial and the shallow end. And I never was really coming to know him because I just wasn't putting in the time. But as I looked at those things that I was clinging to, this is the problem. You would think I'd be like, oh, I'm going to stop that and just run full on into his arms and just go and let go of all those things. But I was deeply attached to a lot of my favorite things. I could even tell you with my mind, with my intellect, that I probably should let go of them. But my hands were grasping them so tight. I mean, comfort food, we've talked about that. That was that was going deep, just as an example. I mean, there were other examples, but the chocolate had become so dear to me that even though I realized I was clinging to it harder than clinging to him, I, I couldn't I couldn't uncurl my fingers. For some reason, it was just so deep and the attachment was so um, powerful that I was really having a hard time. I knew I should let go, but I was having a really hard time doing that. And what finally began to dawn on me was, I don't even have to let go to come to Christ. I can ask him for the want to. I don't have to want to let go. I don't have to make myself, it seemed impossible to make myself want to let go. All I had to do was come to him and ask, please change my heart. I can't stop clinging to these things. I know I should. I want to love you with my whole heart and yet it's divided. I'm reaching for all these other things to try and soothe my little hungry soul. Help me let go. Help me love you alone. I mean, look at Matthew 22, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy mind and all thy strength and all thy soul. And I wasn't, but I couldn't make myself do that either because those other things had, had just made so many promises to me and brought so many benefits to me. And I'd, I'd been seduced. I'd been deceived and letting go of those things was a process of begging for his grace to help me unclench my fingers from the things of the world so that I could reach more and more for him like that drowning person. So the clinging became only to him. It's, it's not something that happens overnight. 
But if you're not experiencing full and complete deliverance in any of the areas we've talked about in this podcast so far, look at what is keeping you from Christ. If it's your own heart, maybe you just need a heart change. He can do all of that. He can even help us want to be delivered. He can help us want him more, love him more. He can fill us with all of that. All we have to do is ask to turn and to beg him to set us free. Well, that's my two cents for today. I, I don't know if it resonated with you, but for me, the correlation between the energy I gave to reaching for Christ and the amount of deliverance, those things were correlated. The more I came to know him, the more I came to abide in him, to reach for him, to draw from him that grace, the more I was set free. The more and more he was able to dominate my thoughts and fill them with peace rather than the torment that came from all those other things that we've talked about that keep us in bondage. He is our deliverer. Every promise in scripture is true. We just have to throw ourselves in the deep end so that we can figure out how it's true for us. Thank you for joining me. I hope you have a wonderful day.